All right, praise the Lord. Well, it's been a great week here. Um, I just want to say it, it's been awesome this week. Um, we've had a lot going on on Thursday night. We had kind of a walkthrough interactive thing, a Maundy Thursday service. And um, a thank you to all of you that came and participated in that. And then Friday night, we had our Good Friday service, and, and uh, that, that was a great service. And then yesterday, man, there were so many people in this building. We had extravaganza inside, and I think it was uh, 731 kids, but over 1,300 people walking around this building. And I just want to say thank you to all of you that came and served, and those of you that came and were a part of it. What an awesome thing, and, and so it's been a great week already, but what a great way to, to end this week by coming together. I just want to say most of my favorite people are in this room this morning. That's pretty cool. If, if you're new to us, I, I just want to welcome you. I want to, I want to tell you about a few things. Number one, this is my box of Kleenexes. I'm going to use it. It's not for if I cry, it's for when I cry. Um, it's just who I am. But we are so thankful to have you here this morning, and, and happy Easter. Are you excited to be here? I'm excited to be here. So just a couple nights ago, uh, we had a powerful Good Friday service, and Pastor Bob, who was the former pastor of this church, um, he's the district superintendent of this area, he also happens to be a guy that I called Dad, um, he came and he spoke on Good Friday, and he led us through a, the series of events from the Last Supper um, to the Crucifixion. And Good Friday is always a, a pretty heavy day. It's a heavy service as we reflect on the cost of our sin, on the price that Jesus paid for us, and his love that led him to die on the cross. But thankfully, death would not have a last word. Because Jesus lives. And today we are here to celebrate the resurrection. We're here on Resurrection Sunday because Jesus conquered sin and death. And death does not have the last say. I'm already using them. Not in Jesus' life, not in our lives. And so we are here to celebrate this morning. Let's celebrate together today. Are you excited? I'm excited. Can you tell? So over the past five weeks, um, we've been working through a series called Freedom and Grace. And, and we've been looking through the, the book of First Peter, and, and so I want to take a minute, I go through and kind of catch us up each week, but I know there are a lot of you that are here that haven't been here over the past five weeks, and so I want us to kind of walk through what we've talked about over the last five weeks, and then today we're going to close out this series as we celebrate the resurrection and freedom and grace. And so we're gonna, here we go, starting in First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it's going to be up on the screen, it says this. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Right out of the gate, we see that through the death and resurrection, the death that we talked about Friday night, the resurrection we talk about this morning, we are given new birth, new life, a living hope. We are given an inheritance that will never go away. 
And so today we're actually going to come all the way back around to this. Peter comes full circle. But, but moving on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So not only are you invited into this living hope, not only are you invited into this glorious inheritance, this eternal inheritance that can't go away, it's, this isn't just, this, this isn't just a, a ticket to go somewhere else, but in chapter 2, Peter says, God is working on you, God is transforming you, and together, God is building us into a spiritual temple. 1 Peter 2, chapter 16 through 17, we moved on, it says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. And so, so so far, we were looking at the fact what God had done for us. We have this inheritance. Um, God is building us into something. But here, toward the end of chapter 2, Peter changes things up and starts talking about what that means for us, what, what, how that works out in our lives. And he says, um, it, it turns from the good news of what God's doing to our calling, And so this freedom, this inheritance, this living hope that we have is not something that should be used for selfish gain. It's not something that we take and we just use it for ourselves, but in freedom, we should choose to submit to God. If we are going to be built into a spiritual house, like it said earlier in chapter 2, if we are going to be God's holy temple then we have to follow God's example and we have to submit to God. And in addition to that, that means we have to submit to others. Moving on into 1 Peter 3. This is verse 8 and 9. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Chapter 3 takes the end of chapter 2, this idea of submitting to God and submitting to others. Chapter 3 takes it to a whole new level, and it says, don't just submit to others, but be a blessing to others. And in chapter 3, we we talked about, in that Sunday, we talked about the fact that even those that are difficult, that are hateful, that try to hurt us, we are called to be a blessing through God's love and power and transformation in our life. We are called to bless others. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 8 says this, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Chapter 4 tells us that the kingdom of God, it says the end is near. The kingdom of God is a certainty. It's coming. It's not an if. It's coming. Just like the tears every week for me are coming. God's kingdom is coming. It's a certainty. And so it says we should love one another. And it says that actually when we love each other, we cover each other's sins. We Really, because God has given us love and freedom and grace, we have the opportunity by loving others to pass freedom and grace and love on to them. And that leads us to chapter 5. This is where we're going to be today. Peter closes out his writing with the good news of resurrection, with the good news not just of, of Jesus' resurrection, but of the good news of resurrection in our lives. 
So today's going to be really good. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, this is good, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to look through this. I want to look through the different parts of this text, and I want to talk about what it means for us, and I want to talk about why we have freedom and grace and what that looks like as we live it out in our lives. So we'll start with verse 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. How many of you remember being small? How many of you had a dad that, that was much bigger than you, and, and he had kind of mighty hands in your eyes? So I've got four boys. Okay, I've got four boys. And, and, you know, I think sometimes my kids, like, think that they can get the best of me. They think, like, hey, we're wrestling around, and they think I can get him. But all it takes is just to put my hand there and show them the power. Not, I'm not even strong. Some of you are a lot stronger than me. And they, uh, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. I think sometimes we, we think, hey, I'm fine on my own. I can do this. I'm, I'm big. And, and we're kind of like that four-year-old that's like, I'm big. I'm tough. I can take you. But it says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. I, I don't want, I'll tell you a story real quick. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I think I was in maybe 10th grade or something like that. I, I was an athletic kid, um, played basketball, considered myself to, to be pretty athletic. And I remember there was a, a morning that we had spent the night at the church and we were getting ready to go on a canoe trip. And my brother had spent the night at the house, which happened to be at the church. We lived on the church property. And so in the morning, my youth pastor, who is like six foot three, six foot four, and massive. He came over and he woke me up and he said, go over and get your brother from the house. And we're talking like 6 a.m. here. I am, I am not a morning person. And so he woke me up and said, go get your brother. And I was like, what? It's 6 a.m. I'm sleeping. And he said, get up and go get your brother. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm big stuff. And I'm like, nah, I'm gonna keep sleeping. I'm good. And he said, get up and go get your brother. And now this guy's like family, so don't, don't call child services or anything. And, and once again, I just, I gave him the whole like, nah, I'm good, I'm gonna stay here. And the next thing I knew, his big mighty hand, boom, I was on the floor, boom, just swept me right off that sofa I was sleeping on. And I was like, all right, I'm up, I'm going to get my brother, I got this. I don't know if you guys remember that, but, but it, this says humble yourself under God's mighty hand. This is what Peter's been talking about towards the end of chapter two all the way up to chapter five is, is humbling ourselves. That means submitting to God. That means submitting to others. That means loving others. That means laying ourselves down. That means giving up control. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. 
We humble ourselves. We submit to God. Why? Because we have a living hope. Because through Christ, we have an eternal inheritance. And so we're called to humble ourselves. We talked about, I think it, it was either week three or week four, I was talking about this is, and, and I just told you a story about it, this is my first reaction usually. I wanna, somebody does something to me. I, come on, let's go. And what Peter calls us to, what Christ calls us to, what God wants from us is not this to fight, but God wants us to give ourselves up like Christ gave himself up on the cross. And so we're called to humble ourselves. We have a hard time with, with humility, don't we? Do, it, do any of you have a hard time with humility? That's kind of hard to be humble, isn't it? You know why? It's because every act of humility comes with a cost. Think about that in your mind. Every act of humility comes with a cost. Whether it's, whether it's being the bigger person and humbling yourself and forgiving someone that you don't want to forgive, whether it's walking away from a fight that, that you know you shouldn't be in, whether it's, whether it's just making yourself a servant, every act of humility comes with a cost. It costs us control. It costs us what others think of us, the control of what others think. If, if I don't fight back... People might think I'm soft. They might think I'm weak. And so when we're humble, it comes with a cost. People might think differently about us. The, what about the control of getting our way? Humility says it's, it's not about me. It's about you, God. And all of a sudden, it's giving up everything that I want and, and, and getting my way. And it's saying, God, whatever you want, that, that's a cost. The control of being in power. We like power, don't we? We like being the strong one. And when we humble ourselves as a servant, we're giving up that, that power, that control of the power. But here's the thing. The idea of having control in our lives, it's an illusion. It's a total illusion. You might think that you have control and you might have a small amount of control over a few things, but the truth of the matter is, we do not have ultimate control over our lives. We do not have ultimate control over our lives. The truth is, none of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us knows what's going to happen later today. As much as we want to control things, as much as we want to be in power, as much as we think we can handle it on our own, we have no control over tomorrow. I grew up, I'll be honest with you, I had a great life growing up. I had great parents. We had great health. We, all, we always had what we needed, and everything was good. And, and I'm just going to be really honest with you here today and tell you that, that for a while there, I kind of got this feeling that maybe we were invincible, like maybe we really had it under control and nothing bad could happen to us. I, I'm, I'm being really honest with you. I kind of felt invincible, like, like nothing could happen. But then about, um, about 10 years ago, uh, my family, who's been in great health, um, dad all of a sudden um, had some gallbladder issues and ended up in the hospital. And I'm, I'm still going to be honest with you, and I probably didn't take that as seriously as I should have. Like, he wasn't doing well, and I thought, oh, he'll be fine. We're always fine, right? And then about seven years ago, 
we got the call to go over to my parents' house with all of our family. And, and my mom told us that she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. My mom, out of everyone I know, seemed like she was in control of her health. While we were eating Gold Star hot dogs, she was saying, quit eating that, that's going to make you sick. While we were watching too much TV, she was saying, you need to stop that. She, she seemed like she had control, and all of a sudden, seven years ago, her world was turned upside down, and our world was turned upside down, because whether we think we have control or not, we don't. We can't control tomorrow. In fact, last night, this is, kind of, this is more, I'll lighten it up a little bit so I can stop crying, but last night, I mean, it's Easter Sunday, I knew we had sunrise service at 7 a.m. this morning, which once again is way too early for me, and so last night, I stay up really late, I'm just a, a night person, and so last night I thought, I'm going to go to bed early, I'm going to make sure I get a lot of rest, and so I went to bed at a time that I thought was early for me. Now, this might be late for you guys, but I went to bed at 11 o'clock. And I was feeling really good about myself because, hey, I'm going to control my amount of sleep and tomorrow I'm going to feel a lot better than I usually do. And so I went to sleep at 11 and at 1.22, I know this because I woke up and I looked at the clock, at 1.22, I woke up feeling this tapping on my neck. And I thought, what's going on? And I woke up and I realized that, that Jack, my almost two-year-old, was laying up against me and tapping the back of my neck. And so I thought, I'm gonna control my amount of sleep. And Jack said, oh, by the way, you've got no control over how much you sleep. I have control over how much you sleep. We cannot control anything. He was asleep. He was, he was sound asleep and was tapping on my neck. I think God was just saying, hey, you're gonna talk about control. I just wanna remind you, you've got none of it. We have no control. When Peter says to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, He's not asking us to sacrifice this great control we have. He's not asking us to sacrifice all of this power we have for nothing. We have the opportunity to give up our illusion of control to the God who truly has control. Listen to that again. We have the opportunity to give up our illusion of control to the God who actually has control. Here's the thing, God's narrative for us is much better than any narrative we can create for ourselves. God's image for us is much better than any image we can create and sustain for ourselves. God's power for us is much stronger than any power we could ever have on our own. You are invited into a life when, when Peter says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, you are invited into a life that is so much better than any life you could ever create. Yes, it means you've got to humble yourself. Yes, it means there will be hard times. But God gives you life. God's mighty power and mighty hand will transform you. And so you are invited into a great life. The next verse is really great. It says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. This is really good news today. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What's the benefit of being humbled under God's mighty hand? It's that we can cast all of our anxieties on him. The word here, the, the word cast that's used, it, it's 
epiripto, that's the word that's used here, and it's only used twice in Scripture. And I think the, the other time gives us a good idea of what's happening here. And so the other time it's used is actually what we talked about last week in, in the triumphal entry when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it says that the disciples cast garments onto that donkey for Jesus to ride on. And so this to cast means to, to throw upon. And so so. Cast all your anxieties on him. I want you to get a picture here today. I think this is important. I want, you to, I want you to get this picture in your head. We are all on a huge journey. I'm talking about the journey of life. We, and, and I'm gonna simplify it here and say, let's say this journey is going from here and it's going all the way over to here and I know that's not that far and it seems like nothing But you've all been on a long journey before, like a long trip, right? Was it last summer we went out west? Two summers ago we went out west and we drove up to Minnesota and over across to uh, Yellowstone and down to Denver Denver and Colorado Springs and then back. That was a long journey. And Megan Jack was just born and, and so Megan flew and so it was me and the three oldest boys who were not super old at that time driving 95 hours in a car. You talk about burdens. You talk about a long journey. You talk about a difficult trip. I want you to get this picture in your mind of a a long journey. We are all on this long journey of life. And the truth of the matter is, we all have baggage. We all have stuff that weighs us down as we live our lives. Maybe it's cancer, maybe, maybe it's other sickness, maybe it's brokenness that you've experienced, something that someone did to you, maybe it's, maybe it's anger, maybe it's this desire to have an image that you don't feel like you have in this constant working, and we have all this baggage And Peter says, take all of that baggage, take all of that anxiety, take all that stuff that's just so heavy and throw it on Christ. Throw it on Christ. Why? Because he cares for you. I remember in eighth grade, we went to Peru, and once again, I thought I was a pretty athletic kid. I played basketball. I I was a pretty big kid. I wasn't super you know, strong, but I, I was a skinny, tall kid, and I thought, hey, I'm a pretty athletic guy, and in this trip to Peru, we would get on this little boat, and we would ride down the Marignon River, which was a, a branch of the Amazon, and we would ride to these villages, and when we got to the villages, we would take all of our stuff, and we would walk to the villages, and some of these villages were up on hills or mountains, and so I remember, like, we would get all our stuff and all of our supplies, And we would start up this journey, and man, it was like, I'm never going to make it. I thought I was in shape, but apparently I'm not. You guys have experienced this when you run upstairs after it's been a while. You're like, man, I thought I I was in shape. But, But we would run with that stuff, and it would be like, man, this stuff is so heavy, it's weighing me down. And then these little Peruvian guys, I mean like half my size, would come up and say, here, give me that. And they would take our stuff and they would take off up the hill before we could even figure out where they went. And it was like, wow, this is a lot easier when I don't have to carry all that baggage. We are all on this long journey through life and we all have all of this baggage that weighs us down and makes it so hard. And Peter says, cast all of that on Christ. Anything that's weighing you down, anything that's keeping you from from walking your journey, cast it. On Christ, what he's really saying is cast the things away, 
cast the things on Christ that take away our freedom. Because the truth of the matter is, when, when, when we have anger, when we have anxiety, when we have bitterness, when we have sickness, when we have all of these things, they become burdens. And he says, cast it on Christ and live in freedom. Cast your control, cast your desire for an image, cast your anger, cast your desires, cast them all on Christ because those will take away your freedom. But Jesus gives you freedom to walk your path, to walk your journey without all of that stuff. And so when we, when we cast our anxiety on him, we are able to live free of the burden of those things. So number one, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Number two, cast your anxieties on Christ. And then in verse eight, it says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Once again, this is the second time that Peter has said, be alert and of sober mind. What he's saying here is keep things in perspective. Because when we get new baggage, when we get a diagnosis or when somebody says something that hurts us or when we get another burden, our temptation is to flip out. Our temptation is to, to think that we're never gonna make it. Picture this journey, and I'm, I'm on this journey, and oh, it's so far away, and uh, now I've got this on my back. I'm never gonna make it. And Peter says, Peter says, be alert, keep things in perspective, because you know what, what, what the enemy, the devil, wants to do with that baggage? He wants to let it tear you down. He wants to let it tear apart your relationships. He wants it to keep you from getting where God wants you to be. And so Peter says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Cast your burdens on Christ. And he says this, this is good stuff, because you know that the family of believers throughout, throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The truth is, most of the time when we get burdens, our first reaction is to isolate ourselves and to give up and to think it's over. But man, all it, all it takes is just talking to a few people to realize we are on this journey together. And not only are we on the journey together, we have a God that cares for us, that wants to carry our burdens. And so Peter says, cast your burdens on Christ. Keep Keep things in perspective. Resist the temptation to give up and stand firm in your faith. The truth is, if we carry our own burdens, if we carry all of these anxieties, if we carry these things on our own, we're never gonna make it where God wants us to be. We're never gonna make it on this long journey. But God wants to carry our baggage, and so we keep the faith, we cast our anxieties on Christ, and God will sustain us and give us freedom and power. That leads us to the best news of all. This is verse 10. It says this, and the God of grace, so, so hear me again, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, cast your anxieties on him, Keep, keep things in perspective, resist the devil, stand firm in your faith. And then in verse 10, it says, if you do that, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 
For all the talk in chapter 2 through chapter 4 of humbling ourselves, for all of the talk of this, of dying, of serving, of humility, he says in in chapter 5, he says, the great news is this, if you'll do that, God will restore you. I I want us to look again to the example of Jesus because I think the example of Jesus today is what we celebrate and it's powerful for us, but it's not just powerful, it's relevant to us today. What we are being asked to do by Peter when he says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, when he's he's telling us to do all these things, this isn't something that, that Jesus didn't do. Jesus did all this. And so I want to look at the example of Jesus, and I want to see how this played out. It's from Philippians chapter 2. It's verses 6 through 11. In verse 6, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Humble yourself. Be a servant. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. Humility has a cost. Following Christ has a cost. And Jesus paid that cost. Jesus paid that cost. That's what we talked about Friday. That's that's the cross. But here's the good news that we celebrate this morning. Hear this and and get excited about it because it's good stuff. In verse 9 it says, Therefore, because he did that, because he humbled himself, because he was obedient, because of this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Friday, Friday, we come and we see this, and it's heavy. And we see that we're called to humility, we're called to be servants, we're called to lay ourselves down. But Sunday, this morning, we celebrate resurrection because if we do this, God raises us up, God gives us life, God gives us hope, God gives us an eternal inheritance that can never go away. Our illusion of control, our illusion of power, it's just an illusion. But if we'll trust God... God will lift us up and God will restore us and God will take the brokenness and the pain in our life that we've suffered and make it right. It's no different for us. So hear me today when I say this. Hear me, this is important. If we don't choose to live out the humility of Friday, we won't get to experience the resurrection of Sunday. Hear that again. If we will not choose to live out the humility of Friday, we won't experience the resurrection of Sunday. We might run around thinking we're tough, but we've got no control. And if we are willing 
to humble ourselves. God will restore us if we will humble ourselves, if we will cast our anxieties, if we will stand firm in our faith. God will restore you. There are gonna be moments where you feel weak, where you feel broken. Guess what? Jesus had moments just like that. There will be moments that are hard and painful. Guess what? Jesus had those moments too. There will be times that you have to make sacrifices. Guess what? Jesus did too. But God will restore you. And the good news is what he says after that too. It's not just that God will restore you and make things right. It's that God will make you strong and steadfast. God will make you stronger than you could ever be on your own. He gives you life He gets you to the end, to the life that he has for you, and it's so much better than anything you could ever do on your own. And the good news, this isn't just a wishful hope. This isn't just a, hey, I'm I'm playing the lottery here. I hope it works out. This is a promise from God. God will restore you and make you strong if you will humble yourself. Failure in the past does not doom a person to failure in the future. Because today you are offered resurrection through Jesus Christ. The resurrection that we celebrate today, that Jesus died and rose again, is offered to us. We can have resurrection and life in Christ. In Christ, we have victory. In Christ, we have life. And so today as we celebrate Easter... It's a day that we look at Jesus and we get excited and we say, Jesus rose from the dead, but today is also about us living out the resurrection in our lives. And so I want us to understand that today you are offered resurrection and life and a living hope and an eternal inheritance that nobody can take from you. Today, in Christ, we have victory Are you excited about that? I'm excited about it. So the band's gonna come up. And listen, we sing a lot of songs here and that's great and I sense a great spirit and a great presence in worship today. But as we close out this service, we're gonna sing a song about about God giving us life, about victory over sin and death. And so I want you today to not just stand there and say, yeah, I'll sing that song. I want you to celebrate I want you to experience the resurrection that God gives you today. And so as you stand, we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate not just Jesus, but we're going to celebrate our resurrection and our life. Father, we all come before you and I thank you for all these people and we're thrilled to be together and what a great Sunday. And I pray, Lord, that today each and every one of us would be able to celebrate the victory that we have over the things that weigh us down, over the things that could keep us from going where God wants us to go. And so today, we celebrate not just your resurrection, but the fact that through your resurrection, you offer us life and resurrection and hope. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate today. We honor you. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.